Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. Uh, Jay, we got a comment about our episode last week that we're going to do before we get through the rest of the show here. Uh, This one comes from Be Nostalgic. They reached out to us over on Twitter after we posted the episode description there. Mm -hmm. And she said, are they really trying to reboot Pirates? Is Margot slumming it? They're almost direct-to-video quality now. And, uh... We didn't really like get into. I mean, we got into how we thought it's a, a, at least on Disney's part, it's a brilliant move, right? Like, it's, uh, I agree because it's it's marketing. Like, her face is fucking money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. So it is. It's great. It's great marketing and she's for them talented. and in their little girl market. And and she's talented, uh, as talented as Johnny Depp. You know, I would definitely say. Sure. Um, I don't. And, I'm and certainly more of a hot. Now. Yeah, I agree. But these money, th- th- these movies, as far as the quality, as they have, obviously, we're not, you know, questioning that they have been dipping from the beginning, right? But when you include marketing, they are they are up upwards of three hundred and three hundred and fifty million dollar productions. Yes, but um, each movie is the, either pushing or exceeding one billion dollars internationally. Internationally, right. it's a huge hit still. Um, domestically, slowly diminishing. Now, I understand where, I don't know where she lives per se, but I know internationally, this is still a massive franchise. It is. And um, I, I was just, uh, just I don't want to spend too much time on it because we talked about it a lot last week, but sure. uh, just looking at both of their IMDb pages, because we were discussing like whether there was two Pirates projects in the works, one with Captain Jack, one as a spinoff following Margot Robbie in the same universe, or whether there was just one, it was going to be like a passing of the torch with Johnny Depp. None of it's confirmed either. Um, there, there is no confirmation from Disney that there is a, I mean, there is a Pirates in the Works, but what it is, who's in it, none of that's technically even confirmed yet. It's not on any of their IMDb sure. pages. It's not on Margo's. It's not on Johnny Depp's. Um, and we'll be getting into the Johnny Depp divorce proceedings pretty soon. And it, it, depending on what Amber Heard says when she takes the stand, <laughs> we'll probably decide Johnny Depp's fate <laughs> with Disney going forward. So That's a very big <laughs> part of that, yes. There, there is... There is no end to Pirates of the Caribbean in sight. If it if it was ever going to end, after five was lambasted, that's when it would have ended. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear that with these with these stories still out there in the zeitgeist, that it's not over yet. So um, I and and I've been burned now. There's there's more bad pirate movies than good pirate movies, right? Like like the the bad outweigh the good. There's two good ones or one really good one. One that's fine, and then and, the, the, and look, there's endless possibilities with this trash. world, right? There's endless possibilities. Exactly, exactly. So let's get into the show proper now. Now that we've now that we've addressed uh, the comments from from last week, 
So this week, me and Jay are just going to go through what we've been watching, uh, and we have we have a review in What Are You Watching for The Outpost, so me and Jay will spend a little bit of time. We will stay mostly spoiler-free throughout that. We probably, I don't think we'll spoil any big plot points, but we, we may spoil a, a minor thing here here or there, so uh, just be warned going forward for that. And then me and Jay got, got a bunch of news stories that we're going to go through, and then finally, we have our top five Broadway adapted movies. So these are all movies that were adopted from Broadway. Um, not not nothing going backwards. Well, if it was already a musical. Yeah, inspired by the recent release of Hamilton. Exactly, exactly. And this is because I watched Hamilton this week, and Jay may have watched some of Hamilton <laughs> this week. But Jay, let's get into what are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channels. Oh, ain't watching. No, no, no. Go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. All right, kick it off, brother, man. What did you get down to watching this week? Well, I'll just start right off the bat. I did attempt to watch Hamilton, um, and I will get into that probably a little bit more in a review, but I did not finish it. I got 30 minutes in and clicked it off. And what did I do, Dave? I went to Comfort Food. So I went and gave Hannah the TV series uh, on Amazon Prime a try. And I was a, you know, a big fan of the movie from Joe Wright. Uh, Saoirse Ronan played Hannah. Eric Bana was in it. And it's good. It's a very good ad- adaptation. Um, it's a different drawn out, you know, take on this kind of story. I know you and Lauren want to get into it, so I won't get into too many details, but I really did like it, and I'm entering season two right now, so if you guys want to, if you guys are a fan of the movie, I think you'll still enjoy this. It's a little bit more slower and drawn out, obviously, but it's it definitely stays very faithful. That's what I was going to get into. You're, like, you like the movie. I do. Now, I've I never, do. I've never seen the movie. The marketing for it, I was just like, okay, I mean, I think it came out at a time where there was a lot of these type of, like, you know, weapon, weapon, uh, weaponized people, spies mm-hmm. out there, you know. I'm, like there I'm was, a sucker for that kind of stuff, though. Yeah, yeah, you are. You are. You're a big Bourne fan and stuff like that. Yeah. I enjoy those type of movies. But I think, like, at the time, it, it, like, with all the, I think, all, wasn't, like, Red Sparrow coming out around when Hannah was out? And, uh, yeah. It, there was a this lot was of a different. Earlier, of, but yeah. Yeah, salts. You know, there was, there was right. like, all this type right. of stuff that was out and around that time where I was just like, okay, I mean, whatever. You know, it just felt like another one in a string of similarly themed movies. And I think like I had watched some of the other ones, and I was like, I, I wasn't blown away I, by any of them. I, so why waste my time yeah, with this? I, I, I would actually think that you would enjoy the film more than a TV show, to be honest, because it's got a lot of pop to it. You know, it kind of yeah. It's got I mean, some interesting when spunk. I. And Kate when Blanchett, I reviewed Becky, another great villain. <laughs> when I reviewed Becky and I was talking about how great Becky was, I had a few people like saying, like, oh, have you checked out Hannah? Because like Hannah's like amazing. And I was like, that's funny. Because like I hear the exact opposite from other people who are like, eh, Hannah's whatever. You know, it's like no one's ever said it's outright bad, but people are like, yeah, it's whatever, you know? So it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should. Now, would you recommend I check out the series first because I'll uh, because I'll like the series more in your opinion, or should I check out the movie first so that the series blows me away? <laughs> no, I actually think that you would enjoy the movie more. Okay, so all right, just because I think you it might be a slightly too slow the show for you. I think you like a little bit more something to keep your attention. This the movie will do that a lot more than this TV show. Just, yeah, I mean, just saying. I, I like some boring TV shows. Like, I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Crown, and like, yeah, I know true. a lot of people who watch that, and they're like, "That's fucking boring." But the dialogue is just so fucking that is interesting true. and I know. fun. It's very um, well written. It, 
Handmaiden's Tale. I, I I enjoy the shit out of that, but that's that oh, is also that's a taxing a very, show. Yeah, it that's is. Exhausting. It is. I, I still haven't gotten into the Downton Abbey though. So, <laughs> but uh, there's still hope for you, Dave. Yet, yeah. <laughs> so like, so are, are you recommending that people should be watching Hannah now that season no, two is out? I definitely do. I really do. All right. Yeah, it's right, definitely I'll, worth I'll it. check out the movie first. The movie. the movie. I'll check out the movie first, and then and then I'll give the TV show a little whirl, and then I'll report back to you. I'll let you know what Thank I you. think. But uh, speaking of Hamilton, man, I did watch Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. To King's College, I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is, I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge, I'm a diamond in the rough. I am not lucky enough now. I guess technically, me and Jay are lucky enough where if we really wanted to go see a Broadway show, it is literally 90 no to 120 yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's right up the road. Um, however, me and Jay don't carry bank accounts that <laughs> I'll afford us, yeah. afford us to, to take to let alone such the adventures. <laughs> right. And it's even more expensive to, to see like these, these Broadway musicals when they start traveling and stuff like that. Like when Hamilton was here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, it was close to eight or nine hundred dollars a ticket for me and my wife to go and that's i think the cheap seats were about 500 but like mid you know mid row was was around nine to eight hundred dollars and my wife really wanted to go but i was like like no that's like that's like two mortgage payments like we we did for a night out like i don't think so that's just not in the car that's a trip to disney yeah yeah, obviously she's as frugal as I am, so she a hundred percent agreed. So we we've never gotten out there to to the musicals that we want to see because when they come here, they're expensive. Like we were gonna go see Mean Girls, but it was it was just too expensive. I really wanted to go see Evil Dead the musical when it was gonna come around. It ended up skipping Philadelphia and going to Pittsburgh, so I never actually got to see it. But yeah, you know, it's it, it's very expensive to go to the off Broadway production. They so all I never are. got out there. They really are. Yeah, I, I never got out there to see Hamilton, but. Luckily, Disney purchased the streaming rights for it, and they've actually probably, you know, a little tease for the future, they've purchased the film rights as well, which means expect a Hamilton film in the future coming out yeah, from the House and, of Mouse. Yeah, and Lin-Manuel is, is a filthy rich man now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the things me and my wife are reading. As filthy rich as this dude is, like, he, he still lives, like, very humbly. Like, oh, he's you know, very, he, oh, he's, he's a he, great he, guy. He bought yeah. he bought the nice place. He bought his parents a nice place. You know, he, he, he dresses well and stuff he, like that, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he has, like, the the, the technology and stuff in his house and everything, oh, but man. outside of that, he still he still rides the subway. Such a nice he's guy. Still, so so he down still to volunteers earth. throughout the city and stuff through the same you know philanthropic programs that he was doing even before he was rich. So yeah, he's still a very down to earth guy. But yeah, he did sell Hamilton for big bucks to Disney for the movie rights. So expect that in the future. But this was my first time actually getting to watch ha- uh, Hamilton the musical. So like I had heard other people who had seen it talk about it. My good friend Chris over on the I like to like things podcast back when he was doing more gooder than he his wife and him went when it was out there to to see Hamilton and he couldn't stop talking about it he raved about it it was just fucking amazing and in my mind you know I'm not a musical person 
I poo-poo on most musicals. And you'll And as do I, normally. You'll find that out later on when we do our top five list for top five uh, musicals adapted from Broadway because mine are not like the like our picks are not the ones that are like the your your average like this is mm-hmm. universally seen as a great musical. Sure. And I think that's what led to me loving Hamilton so much when I watched it is because it's not like any other musical, right? It's, it, it's fresh, right? It's updated. It's a different twist. It is. It is. You know, it's 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 hip hop based. Uh, it, it's it's lyrical and it flows. And there are there there are puns. There are hooks. There's you know, there's yeah. shade getting thrown in the lyrics and stuff. It's like a rap battle every time you have two people talking and stuff. And I I absolutely loved it. I don't think like like my dad was asking me about it, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, watch it. And then I was like, after I was done talking about how great it was. And telling my dad, yeah, he should watch it. It's historical and stuff. I was like, wait a minute. My dad's not going to like this. <laughs> He's not going to like this at all. That's my, my mom, I actually teased my mom before I watched this, and or I was going to put it on. And she was like, oh my God, I got to watch this. Blah, 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 blah. If she's he like, watches it, I'm waiting for him to go, like, why is Thomas Jefferson black? <laughs> like, well, my mom is just not going to follow the hip hop. Reimagining. She, she yeah. just won't be. And, and I'm the same way. That's. A big, the main part of the reason why I turned it off after 30 minutes, my brain can't comprehend it. I, I get, it's just too much to absorb and 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 retain and follow and hear. And obviously, I could tell the quality, um, and, and the fun. But shortly after the king made his appearance, I was just like, I, I just can't. I just can't. And I, and I was still two hours to go. I mean, it was unbelievable. Now, you're talking about my favorite parts of of the play there. <laughs> Uh, because the king is actually played by Jonathan Groff, who I fell in love with through he's good through Mindhunter. Uh, he's fantastic in Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, but then I realized while looking up his IMDb as he was there uh, when he was there on stage playing the king, I was like, oh shit, he was Kristoff in in Frozen. This all makes sense now. He got to start on Broadway and stuff like that. And local boy Lancaster, PA. What up? Hey. So, yeah. So, but anyway, I I really really enjoyed Hamilton so you can take Jay's comments about it if you're not like if you're not in the hip hop you know it, it may it there I'm may just be not things a lyricist person by. like I even right. with music in general like I can't I'm not the ones that are obsessing about every nook and cranny of the lyrics I'm more of a melody guy <laughs> but I, I yeah I think I think it, it, there's something there for everybody to enjoy. Right. Me and my wife have watched it twice now. I think if you um, oh, that's good. if you like uh, Lin Manuel, then like you're you're definitely gonna like this. Like this is what put him on the map, and I think this is the best quality version that you can get without showing out the eight nine hundred dollars to go and see it uh in in the theater so but i i absolutely loved it i i couldn't get enough of it but that's enough about hamilton jay let's get into what else you've been watching uh a, a good old-fashioned orgy <laughs> you've talked about this movie before did God I? damn it yeah i wasn't sure if i did or not yes you have uh this is the one with jason sudeikis yeah jason sudeikis yes yes you have talked about you have okay. talked about this okay before. yes and so let's, and, and besides yeah. hannah i the outpost was the only other thing that i've that i've seen so we'll be getting into that later yes i got two other things that i watched and then we will get into our outpost review so uh i'm gonna do my my retro watch this is my retro watch this week i watched children shouldn't play with dead things uh this is a 1972 film that was written and 
and directed by Bob Clark. And it follows a group, uh, a theater group who kind of goes to this abandoned island and they they dig up a dead body and they kind of do like a mock satanic ritual with it. And then that that body comes to life. And it's it's just it's it's a funny, ridiculous, culty zombie film hmm. and i i've heard i've heard a ton of of good things about it i had just never seen it and you know me i'm a big you know cult horror fan so i i watched it and it, it reminded me a lot of like rabid like I, I i watched rabid a couple months back the original 1970s version that that was directed by david cronenberg and you know it's it's just scary enough and it's just low budget enough to make you fall in love with it and that's uh that's that that I mean it's currently on Amazon Prime if you're a cult horror fan and you haven't watched Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things it's recommended check it out mm. uh and then finally Jay I I was in a Dave Batista mood I guess <laughs> How do I put it? Um, because on HBO there was Stuber, and we're gonna get into this like towards the end of the show there, where me and Jay are gonna just kind of briefly talk about something um, with you know the next couple weeks. But um, I've been kind of going through like I, I was I was just had a, a, a bout of depression, you know, just a bout of depression, and I couldn't find anything on. So I watched Stuber. It's not a great movie. It's not a particularly hilarious movie, but it's not a bad movie either. Yeah. So I put on Stuber with Dave Bautista and Kumal Nagiani. And then I saw on Amazon Prime that Dave Bautista was also in My Spy, which came out earlier this year and is now streaming on Amazon Prime. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I could watch the animal in this. You know? <laughs> I can watch Dave Bautista and a cute little girl, you know him, like him, this big and, monster with uh, a cute look, little girl. Is it a fantastic movie? No, it 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 got some yucks out of me and actually kind of took me out of my funk a little bit. It was good. It was adorable. It was adorable. That's the whole point. I know Dave Bautista was in that movie because The Rock had something else to do. <laughs> There's only one true superstar of the decade, true superstar of the millennium. You know who that is? The Rock will tell you who that is. The jabroni beaten, pie eating, trailblazing, eyebrow raising, stronger than a bear, faster than a buck. Yeah. Like, that was that's, an that's old very script clear. that you know that was for The Rock <laughs> but, like 15 years ago, and that was for, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Who else is out there?" And you're like, "Dave Batista." So I was like, "You know what? Yeah, it's it's fine." It's fine. It's it's if you are like me and there's nothing else to do on on Sunday afternoon and it's fucking rainy or or in, in our case dropping golf ball sized hailstones um, outside, then it's it's not a bad watch. You, you you really can't go wrong with it, and it's safe enough for younger children. You know, not yeah, you know, not super young children, but safe enough for for your younger That's kids good. to watch around. He needs them to find that well. balance because I so. feel like he's been doing a lot of uh, more mature work as of late. Yeah, he really does. Um, if he's really you know, trying uh, to do the whole rock thing, he, <laughs> you know, it's. But that's the thing about Dave Batista, and we're going to move on from this in in a second. But I think Dave Batista can be something different than The Rock. Like, oh, I do. I hundred percent believe that. I really do. The Rock is the Rock is blockbuster guy. He can't. He can't go back. Batista. If you watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine for that five minutes, you could tell he can deliver. He he's can, good, but he has he's this great. gravitas. He's great, but he's to him. good. Like where you could just tell he, there's layers there right. that he can really pull out, 
and I think he could do something different sometime down the line. In the right, of course, in of the course. right role with the right script, Dave Bautista yeah. could be. Well, he's going to be in Dune, so you never know what he's going to do there. Right, no, but he's not no. going to be. He's not going to be the leading man in that. But what I'm saying is, like, if it was a movie, let's say, like The Wrestler, right? Something, something like that. Like, he he could turn a performance that mm-hmm. may garner some extremely positive buzz i'm not saying but he doesn't need to do that but if he ever wanted right. to take it to that level he could i think i think he has the chops he's not fantastic he's not a fantastic actor but with the right script right. and the right role he could turn a few heads um but i think i think you're right the balance between like you know doing a <laughs> D- denis Villeneuve project and then going over and being in my spy it it, it works for him because he's appealing to an audience on a on a multiple levels, but he's also appealing to them on different levels than say Dwayne the Rock Johnson is. So, and it's important for him career wise to not just pick up those scripts that the that the Rock is chucking over his shoulder as he goes pass, pass, pass. Uh, you know, because Batista very could easily be in Jumanji three that is direct to video on demand. If he if he didn't play his cards right, you know he would just be replacing the Rock in Jumanji Three, yeah. and it goes direct to video on demand. But stay on target, stay on target. All right, Jay, we we have a a final review that you and I are going to do. This is a movie that just dropped this week, right? July third. Uh yes, sir. Yes, sir. And this this movie was, I mean, it's definitely under the radar. I don't know if this was ever going to get a theatrical release or whether this was always a video technically it was but you never know people would say that because it's good marketing right but it's called the outpost do you remember what happened when during the battle welcome to the dark side of the moon gentlemen Aren't we supposed to be on top of the mountain to win this thing? Our job is to separate the Taliban from the ordinary people. How do we do our jobs and stay safe? Respect keeps us safe. I wouldn't trade this for anything. Look at us, band of brothers. Keep me in your prayers, okay? Trust me, babe, I quit. I love you. We're going to win by getting their hearts and minds. We want their hearts and minds, and they want our blood and guts. Sorry, pal, but that's life at Camp Keating. You all right, mate? Come on, get your arms around me. But you're not going to die, okay? RPG! Red Platoon! We're taking this bitch back. I do have a synopsis for it before we get started, so let me get into that real quick. There are tons of oxymoron phrases like jumbo shrimp, pretty ugly, but no oxymoron phrase can sum up this movie more than military intelligence. And I remember sitting in a history class in, I think I was in junior or senior year of high school, and that was kind of like a joke like my history teacher made when he was talking about some battle. I, I believe it was, you know, some something in the, in, in the Custard's Last Stand or something like that. But he said, like, military intelligence is is the oxy is is an oxymoron phrase and i remember being the kid who like laughed at that and everyone else is like huh what (laughs) (laughs) but but, and and it's true especially when you think about this movie so 
This movie follows the soldiers who are stationed at Outpost Keating. Outpost Keating uh, sits on the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan, and it is surrounded by mountains. In fact, it is in a valley. And not only is it in a valley, it is pretty much to its back is mountains, to its left is mountains, and to its right is mountains. It is in a kill field. Like if you watch the Punisher TV show, like he, the Punisher talks about putting them in the kill field so like you can you can hit them with your crossfire. That's what the Taliban was doing to them. Day in and day out. Mm-hmm. From 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 the top of the mountain, you wake up, you have your morning coffee. If you're lucky enough, you got some you got some eggs in your meal ready to eat or maybe maybe some bacon or maybe someone shot a dog and that'll be your breakfast meat. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, however it works. Yeah, fucked you, up. You, you had your breakfast, you had your coffee, and you got shot at by the Taliban, and you fired back, and that's that was their day-to-day life. Yep. And it made no sense for this base to be here whatsoever, nor did it make strategic sense for this base to be here. Now, the base existed because uh, also in and around it, also nestled between these two mountain ranges, was a town. And they were there to basically be ambassadors to that town, give them aid, relief, money and to, for them to resist the sure, Taliban. Try and build positivity between exactly. the locals and and potentially get intel as well, you the, know. The elders. It was all about it was all about impressing the the elders and stuff. But they were they were obviously having issues in the fact that when you give the elders and this village the money, they then put that money into their Taliban efforts and sending their young men off to the Taliban to uh, to fight the infidels who are in there. So that's that's what that that's you you'll learn all of this in the first ten minutes of the outpost. So it, it hits the ground running at least with its with its military knowledge and stuff, and it also you know handy dandily lets you know that this is based on a true story. Correct, and I think that's one of the big things that plagued this film is its first hour. Um, you know, it takes a long time or it feels like a long time because the, you're, you're, you're hit over the head with so much character or attempted character development because they want to pay respect to all the soldiers, all the fallen soldiers. And, you know, they're trying to portray such a true life story with this campground that, you know, they give you so much, you know, information and scenery and things to process in your head, but visually as well. And it's, it's just unbelievable. So the whole first hour feels like, you know, a two and a half hour movie itself. You know? It really does. <laughs> I'm going to say the first hour and a half is very much first off setting you up with their situation, but also mm-hmm. introducing you to 15 to 20, a lot of characters, different characters all in now, Luckily, like when you're meeting them, they're out of their military garb. Later on, very similar problem with one of my favorite modern war pictures, uh, Black Hawk Down. Everybody's wearing their helmets. Everybody's wearing their flak jackets. Everyone looks the same. Unless it's an absolute close-up, I'm not entirely sure who I'm following. There was a there's a few people who, who go down, and I'm like, was that him? Oh, no, that was him. Oh, that's so much more sad now that it's him. <laughs> Right, like, because it's like, because yeah. I, I spent more time with him, I liked him more. But yeah, they do spend a, a lot of time. Yeah. 
That's true. Setting up, setting up a lot, a lot of these characters. But there, there is a set of of a few main characters that you're going to follow. Uh, the the first big name that is kind of like the main. I I hesitate to say the main star of this film, but the the big star Scott Eastwood, um, looking very much like his father mm. in several scenes, uh, and, and then sounding uh, and acting, <laughs> and sounding and acting just like his fa- his father. But then also Caleb Landry Jones, who kind of is very memorable in Three Billboards Outside of Me- Ebbing, Missouri. He also played Banshee in X Men First Class, and he also played. He's a great. Uh, J- yeah, he's a great young and up and coming actor. A lot of small little roles. Yeah. And he and he was Jeremy in uh, Get Out, yeah, where he has choose that. Choose the scenery. Yeah, he has that absolutely fantastic scene in Get Out, where he talks, where he pretty much is talking about like selective breeding of of black people and stuff, and like uh, it's it's disturbing and and so subvertly racist that it's obviously in your face racist at the same time and it's like but he does it with such a great like yeah. slime ball attitude about it and yeah. stuff like like he doesn't see the problem with what he's saying at all nor yeah. does he care or need he, to see he's the gonna be winning so some good. awards down the line like he's our like he, he's fantastic i've seen him in some stuff he's my acting draw in this movie mm-hmm. like uh he's he's the one playing the flawed character you know he's the oh, yeah. one who uh i think you 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 initially are set up well not to like him correct. at all well but n- not to because he he's obviously not the run-of-the-mill soldier he's not and he but at the same time he has the most peculiar background because he's had you know a lot of time with the Marines and other different kind of camps, and he's bounced around. He was a Marine. He was often. a roofer. He was a yeah. you know, like if you name a job yeah. that was like that, that that was like paid under the table, he did it. Yeah. Now he's <laughs> at like this shit assignment as a runner, getting ammo for the army, and it's like, why are you here? It's like one of those kind of weird things where. Right. Uh, he has anger he issues. Just don't really he, know. Yeah, he, he's he got a lot. He can't of, let an off comment go. You know, it's he's flawed. It, but he's it, flawed. He's flawed. But that's what winds up ultimately making him the most interesting character, right? Exactly. When you meet Scott Eastwood's character of Staff Sergeant Clint Romesha, he clearly is the Captain America, right? Like yes. he is your all-American boy. He 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 definitely shows that he's that he's religious. He definitely shows, you know, he's he's got a wife at home who he loves and he doesn't get in to the same barracks grabassery that everybody else gets involved with. Well, he with, understands so. it. He understands he's very political. He knows how to, you know, play both sides. You know, he's very He's a good leader. He's a good leader because he's respected. He has this nice little hook to his character where he understands ex- where some of them are very flabbergasted and and honestly taken aback when they op- when when they arrive at Outpost Keating. He understands exactly what that detail is when he got there. And he did not make contact with his wife and family as a result of that because being there he he knows if he explained the situation it's like a suicide mission really it's in a way it's he's only going to give he's only going to give himself up to over to her and she's she's going to under his wife would understand that like he he might not come back yeah Um, and he doesn't want to put that on her or the kids back at home and you'll see a ton of the soldiers go through very similar things you also go through a string of commanding officers from uh first lieutenant benjamin keating orlando bloom who's yeah who's played by orlando bloom kind of surprising in a nice 
small, short yeah, role. He was good. He was good. <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen him in in a, in, in a long time, to be honest. Um, but no, it's good to see him on screen. You know, he was fine. And then there's 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 two or three others that that rear their heads up. Um, ultimately ending with First Lieutenant Andrew Bunderman uh, as as their finer as their final commanding mm-hmm. officer. Uh, but you kind of get the sense very early on in the movie that don't get too attached to anybody. Period. Right. Just just don't. But I will say this about the movie. Um, you know, as much as we talked about the story, it is fantastically shot for action. Yes. Rod Laurie. Very, very he, much like Black Hawk Down, over the shoulder, running with the soldier. Uh, you know. Well, just enough long takes as well. You know, there was a lot of that as well. And they also did a really good job with the geography of of the camp that they're in where i felt like i knew where the barracks were mm-hmm. i knew where the humvees were with the with the uh with the guns and, and i know military people or people listening to this who were very much into military or call of duty and stuff like that are like they're called they're, or whatever the fuck they're called i don't know that shit okay <laughs> I, I don't, i'm not into guns but i understood where like the machine guns were i understood where the mortar pit was i understood where the latrine was where where the mess hall was where the barracks were like i i knew where that stuff was because they did a great job with showing you the geography of the camp they to did. the point where like it feels like hell and and scott eastwood's character and gives slightly me home a, too because right. you get very comforted and because you're confined in this area throughout the whole film and scott eastwood's character gives me a map of hell also sure <laughs> like, which is uh, a great scene where he he chews up the scenery yeah. literally by grinding his teeth and <laughs> and talking in a gravelly voice just like his dad did yeah we used to stack fucks like you five feet high in Korea. Use you for sandbag. <laughs> you did. You did it great. So th- those are the things that I really liked about the movie. The action. I like. I most of the acting. It's just fine. It's just fine. It. It's. It's pretty good. It's never bad. But uh, you know the the person who who really you know blows it out of the water for me was Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah, I just think it within the war scenes, the actors did a really good job or a better job. Um, and I guess maybe that's not so hard to do because, you know, you're kind right. of... You know, with most of these movies, they do the training and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So they're mostly they have, reacting instead right, of And acting. they have on-set, uh, you know, on-set on consultants and everything like that. Sure. And I'm sure I'm sure some of the surviving members of, of this crew may have even been on-set as, as consultants. And that's a very big possibility. Um, the number one thing about this movie was it was definitely trying to shine a light on this horrific uh, camp that the U.S. wanted to have. And obviously the U.S. after the fact, uh, you know, admitted that this was a flawed mission and, and camp to, to, to keep. And it was not a good idea. Um, and, you know, but this was, you know, a very respectful movie for you know dedicated to the survivors and dedicated to the ones that we lost absolutely and we're you know we're gonna do our best we're, we're not spoiling who, who who was lost or anything like that but um jay uh you got a score for it man uh you know i it is a two and a half hour long movie right i think it's uh no it's actually just two hours a, it's two hours and three um, minutes. that's right but like it, I it's said, a two hour and three minute long film so right but I this is one of those ones where I definitely felt the length. But do you got a score, man? Uh, it's an A minus because of the time and because I thought the initial setup was uh, the, the the setup and the plotting of it was just too much. And it, and as a movie of a whole, it didn't work. Um, I understand the reasoning behind it and the res- trying to give the respect of all the the real life people that served. 
Um, but you know, I'm, my, my job is to be a movie critic and I'm being critical and of, of the little things that, that bothered the, me with the film. So, you know, there are two minor gripes, but overall I was really impressed with what, uh, everybody did on this project and Rod Laurie, I tip his tip my hat to him. I mean, he did a really good job shooting this action film and I'm sure, you know, he'll do something like this in the action realm again in the future and probably do a good job. For sure. I mean, it was definitely a great watch, especially, you know, the weekend of 4th of July. So I yeah. I did I did enjoy it for that. Perfect time for it to come out on video on demand. I don't know, you know, how many people are going to watch this uh, because... Not much marketing. Yeah, it's not much marketing. It's very clearly going to be on a streaming service in the next two to three months. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell everybody to wait for that. Don't don't rush out to see it. Don't pay the six ninety nine to to watch it. It's it's going to be just as good when you watch it in three months as, as it will be now. And it's not going to be like that that type of hot topic, hot button movie that everyone needs to see. It's it's solid. This is a solid movie, and I'm giving it a solid score. It's a B because I really do think that like the first hour of this movie. Not, not, not that it needs to be cut out or anything, but it definitely could have been streamlined. Um, and I understand that we, just like Jay said, we're trying to play pay reverence here to one of the biggest battles, essentially, that occurred during the Afghan War. I mean, not only is it is it one of, of the biggest battles, it also saw the most number of U.S. soldiers killed in one confrontation mm-hmm. since the Vietnam War. So it, it has some historical aspects to, of it, too. I mean, there's... And you know, one of my favorite aspects of it is at the end, like seeing all the medals that were given out, the bronze stars, the silver stars, and two medal of honors yeah. that were given out. And it's the first time, I, I don't remember the exact amount of time, but it's something like 40 years. It's the first time in like 40 or 50 years that a, that, that a medal of honor was given out to a living soldier, mm-hmm. not to a dead soldier. Most of them were given out uh, mm-hmm. posthumously. Let alone at the given, same camp. Yeah. So two men receive receive Medal of Honors as a result of of this battle as well, which is kind of insane in of itself. And I do love this story. I've actually heard the the, the Battle of Camdash. I've heard this story on podcasts before. I've heard this story, uh, you know, through History Channel and stuff like that. I was aware of this battle going into this movie, and I really liked the personal nature that they added to it. It's just that it, it really, if that first hour didn't drag, then I, I probably would have given it a better score. It's a, it's a very interesting story, but I really do feel like you could watch a documentary about this and walk away feeling the same way that I walked away feeling after watching this movie. Very good. Uh, also, Jay, uh, we were talking about Scott Eastwood as if like you know he's the only one with a famous papa in the movie. Uh, the movie also stars Milo Gibson, who uh, plays. Uh, a pretty prominent role in it yes that is very true and uh james jagger son of mick jagger he plays uh a a small role in there as well and uh uh i i don't know but there could be another one in there somewhere sprinkled in (laughs) like like we said there was a lot of cast members in this film and um you know it's visceral it was a visceral film i you know i i i i I, I like this movie a lot more than I expected to. <laughs> if you if for some reason it's not ringing a bell with you, Milo Gibson's dad is Mad Max or Riggs. It's really yeah. the only two roles you ever need to know his dad in. <laughs> Piece that together. Meanie. Meanie. Miami. 
<laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for our review of The Outpost. Uh, coming up, me and Jay got some news from this past week that we're going to be running through before we get into our top five adapted from Broadway movies. Let's get into the news. Jay has already teased us a little bit uh, in our first segment here in What Are You Watching for our first news story this week. So why don't you give it to us, Jay? We all want to hear what's going on with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's divorce proceedings in our first news story. Okay, guys, this is a disaster in every sense of the word. This is a long, long, long time coming, about Three or four years ago, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp got divorced, and then uh, some things spilled out saying that, like, you know, he was abusive to her and this and that and the other, and his kind of career's been tanking ever since. And, you know, he stayed quiet. Um, and then now, you know, all these years later, he actually slapped a, a lawsuit on the son for labeling him a wife beater. Um, and questioning why he was cast in the Fantastic Beast series and J.K. Rowling behind him. Uh, that lawsuit him. Is, is defamation. Defamation uh, he's lawsuit. Suing, he's suing him for, for defamation. And right. he's saying it's not for the money. It's obviously just to restore his name. And, um, you know, so this But just, if you've been following Johnny Depp and his finances, you know 100% this is for the fucking money. Well, the, the dude, he still has been a lot, he still has a a lot of time. money. But yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but this this just means that publicly, in Europe, there's a scheduled three-week trial, and there's only been two days in right now with Johnny Depp on the stand alone. And so much crap has come out in light of all this, whether- Right. M- mainly, mainly- Cheating that, scandals. Well, there is there's, there's, be- there's cheating, violence. but, but that, that's, that's going to be coming out more when, when they get Amber Heard on the stand. Um when his defense start to get on, on top of things, but this is going to be a disaster. I mean, and, and, and the, probably the biggest, uh, breakup, divorce, a Hollywood scandal, whatever you want to call it, this will hundred percent take the cake for years to come. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we don't, we don't usually like pedal smut. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we are, we are smut ourselves, but we, but we don't always get into this. Stuff. I've been very, maybe not so much in the podcast. Cause I try to retrain, restrain myself but people close to me for years um ever since blow came out i've been a huge giant Depp fan mainly of him as a person you are without doubt the worst pirate i've ever heard of but you have heard of me and i always said it like then his movies itself because you know sometimes they've been questionable but even though i've been a fan of many of his films and and mainly his you know his earlier works and his dramatic works and stuff um i just always thought he was you know, obviously a, a quirky dude, but like a very cool dude. And, and I never, uh, thought that this, you know, that he would have been a, like a wife beater and this and that and the other. And, and he's standing behind that. Um, but I don't want to get into this too much, but I've literally listened and followed every nook and cranny of this possible thing and your your fandom makes you invested is what you're saying yes and my curiosity obviously but um right they're they are both flawed individuals 
So, 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 how much do you believe the the Amber Heard threesome with Elon Musk? Oh, I, like how much? I, I, I think that's a very plausible thing. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, she cheated on him with James Franco. Um, she has multiple personalities. Like, you know, I don't confirm. I, I don't buy. It. I don't um, buy that. that. That that is one of the that that is one of like as someone with with multiple psychology degrees. That is one of those uh, overdiagnosed, overhyped diagnoses well, that, that 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 someone has borderline personality disorder, or that 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 someone has multiple personality disorder, or what we call disassociative personality disorder. She is the main abuser in a relationship, I would say. But it doesn't help when he is kind of a pussy in a lot of ways, and he 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 <laughs> he is such a drug and alcoholic. Like he takes coke. Uh, this is all now confirmed. Like a lot of coke. You know what I do, baby, and I'm doing it. Started cocaine. Hey, Johnny Hot Dog. Guess what I just did? Cocaine. He didn't even answer. A lot of pot, a lot of drink. I mean, like it's pretty much everything except heroin. Heroin. Like so, he's shrooms a lot, MDMA. Like he he was doing a lot of drugs. Well, I I know I know while their daughters were were friends and hanging out. I know Kevin Smith was smoking weed with uh with Johnny Depp so much so that Kevin Smith was able to get him to agree to play the sheriff <laughs> in Moose Jaws. That's the only way I know. <laughs> which is which is a movie that's never going to come out. Kevin uh, James probably hooked him up with a new dealer. That was Kevin like Smith. Better. Kevin Smith. Kevin, Kevin Smith. I'm James. sorry. Kevin Smith. Jesus. Um. <laughs> I would like to think that, like, I know in like tier of celebrity, like Kevin Smith and Kevin James are probably pretty even. But I would like to think in quality of human being, <laughs> I'm gonna put Kevin Smith over Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 Kevin pretty well. James. Here comes the boom. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry. you know Johnny essentially just likes to numb his pain and avoid confrontation i'm sorry don't, don't call it numbing your pain you you you, you were in well, three of the highest grossing films of all time you sure. were one of the highest paid actors of all time you literally own your own vineyard so that you can be the biggest wino possible yeah uh you had you had your winona tattoo literally turned into a yeah. wino tattoo yeah to talk about yeah he's living a life of privilege i don't <laughs> don't I, want you to say well, like he's i his own mental demons, put it that way. Yes, yes. That's yeah. drowning. That's, that's essentially what I mean. Hundred um, percent. And and pain. you know they First they were pain. they had a lot of uh, obviously shared interests as a couple. That's how they kind of got together when they met on the uh, the Rum Diary film. And you know it's 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 just a horrible horrible relationship, and that's really what it comes down to. I think it's one of those situations where you know they're both you know just bad for each other they love each other in certain ways and are strong opinionated people i guess and 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 but at the same time they were very volatile in, in a lot of ways stay on target stay on target i've given you i've given you more than five minutes for okay, this news sorry. story we're, we're we're gonna have to move You're, on from yeah, it because we guys got are some, interested in it it's gonna be all over the news for <laughs> some time so some other interesting go stuff. look into it to to get into, I just mainly wanted to. What, what wanted? To, I, I thought you had like some, okay. some and juicy the, and bits. The, and the final straw was she shit in the bed. Do I shite again? Dude, it's a lady getting pooed on. Whoa, is it Cartman's mom? Oh, very funny. Hey, it is Cartman's mom. That's in my All righty then. Yes, I heard. That. I heard that as a prank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not kidding, guys. If you really look into this, like this is by far the most fucked up relationship you would ever. <laughs> 
Here, but I mean the the amount. I wish of- this was happening in America because those those depositions would be public record, <laughs> like so we could read them. But more than anything, it's just like it's just audacious. Uh, the level of what celebrities can get away with, like the, right, the, the amount of stuff. Let's move on before this podcast shits the bed. All right, all right, all right sorry. <laughs> Next news story. <laughs> all right, Charlie Theron is heartbroken that she will not be returning as Furiosa. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, she stated that she's a little heartbroken. It's a tough one to swallow. Listen, I fully respect George Miller, if not more so in the aftermath of making Fury Road with him. He's a master, and I wish him nothing but the best. But yeah, Such a professional. It's a little heartbroken, for sure. I'm a little heartbroken, yeah. for sure. I really love that character, and I'm so grateful that I had a small part in creating her. She will forever be someone I think of and reflect on fondly. So it sounds like very professional way of saying, like, this sucks. Yeah. I wanted to do this movie. I wanted to portray this character again, but it's not happening because George Miller's story isn't allowing for it. I I, I think... But I, if I think from George Miller's point I, of view, I understand both points of view. I really. If do. I think, if I think of George Miller's point of view, from his point of view, is Furiosa went back to her people who she left all those years ago, found out that the promised land that she was looking for was gone, and then brought those people to the only promised land that was left, and her story arc is done. She was the hero of her people. She was the hero of the people that she left behind at Morton Joe. And it's kind of like the end. She will reign there until her death. Like you could see that being the story. And and, and I felt like that the story we got in Fury Road, if George Miller wants it to be, was the closing of her story arc. And now we're going to play we're going to play George Lucas and we're going to go back and we're going to tell how it all happened. How, how we got there. Charger is a key to all this. We're going to tell a prequel about Furiosa, a different Mm -hmm. adventure of her leading her to that point. And to me, that makes more narrative sense to do rather than shoehorning in a new villain for her to face from her new seat of power. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we still have a lot of news coming out about this project um, down the line, obviously. They still haven't 100% casted it or... Right. The rumor is it's Anya Taylor-Joy who's going to yes. be playing Furiosa, but that's not a confirmed casting. Right. And uh, The Old Guard, uh, she's promoting... Charlize is promoting The Old Guard. It's coming out on Netflix on Friday, so I'm sure we'll be doing a review at, at, at some point. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on that, or we'll do it on Twitter. Uh, we'll see. But we'll, we'll let you guys know what our thoughts are on that. You know, she's back into the action realm again, and she's always been a badass, so... Stay on target. Stay on target. Thanks, Jay. Thanks thanks, thanks for uh, keeping us abreast on uh, on, on uh, Charlie Theron's IMDb page. <laughs> Next news story! Oh, yeah, brother! And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? I love this news story. Because I think this casting is perfect. Get ready for 
Chris Swolesworth. If you already thought that Chris Helmsworth was swole while he was playing Thor, he's about to get a whole lot more swole. I'm talking 24-inch pythons, brother. I'm talking and that. And tan and more blonde and everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Chris Helmsworth is going to be playing none other than Terry Bollea. We all know him better as the Hulkster. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, man. This is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. I, I still can't. I can't see it still. I still can't see it. But in in a Hulk Hogan project that will be basically the mm-hmm. biopic of Hulk Hogan. I so in a way, so as a wrestling fan, I respect Hulk Hogan for what he was in the 80s and 90s and how he reinvented himself all throughout WCW. But as an adult and an informed fan of wrestling now, I absolutely hate the man. I think he he might be one of the worst things that ever happened to the business the longer it, it went on because he had full creative control over everything he did. If he didn't like the way a match was going to end, he could completely change it on the fly. If he didn't feel like giving up the belt, he didn't have to give up the belt. Yeah. You know, he, he, he pretty much, whatever wherever he was wrestling, whatever division he was wrestling in, whether it was WWE or WWF, whatever you want to call it, WCW or TNA, whatever he was in, he held a stranglehold on their storylines because his contract always came with a with, with with a production clause. He always got to choose his character's narrative. Not only that, you get into the fact uh, of of the cheating, uh, the super weird treatment with his daughter of just like putting suntan lotion on her butt cheeks and stuff like that back from a few years ago. Uh, I can reach my butt cheeks. Everyone can reach their butt cheeks. Your daughter didn't need you to put sunscreen on her butt cheeks and then you also get into the fact that he uh liberally uses the n-word uh, <laughs> on yeah. uh, and uh gets himself into trouble yeah. i'm not i'm, I'm not I, crazy about the man himself however i think there's a story there to tell and i think helmsworth is kind of a perfect person to play it because thor is that is that machismo boastful character that Hulk Hogan is, and to some extent, Terry Bollea is as well. Um, when he plays Thor, he's just obviously going to have to amp it up here. But I think it's really good casting. When I when I heard this casting, I thought of like other actors. Who else is out there who could do this? I I don't think there's many. He's definitely on a short list. Yeah. Well, Chris is going to have to really change his diet up quite a bit. <laughs> to yeah, bulk he might have up to start that kind of level. Yeah, like just. Just eat everything in sight, essentially. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that they're gonna take it the right approach and and bring out those those troubled, you know, aspects of his career. And I'm pretty sure, and I know he's behind this project. I think he's behind that. I think he's gotten to the point in his age and everything like that where he's he understands what he did and 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 the bad things as well and i think he's ready to air out his dirty laundry in that aspect and and the same time he wants the money probably too yeah but well there's um, there's no title for the film yet uh but it 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 is a a hulk hogan terry belaya biopic Mm -hmm. and it is set to be directed by todd phillips so you get helmsworth you get phillips you get this larger than life character of hulk hogan yeah i think it's gonna be a little bit more of a grander the wrestler yeah you know sure you know something like that all right let's move on to our next news story a bunch of movies have been cleared to resume production most notably the batman 
and Mission Impossible 7 have been given the green light to resume production in the UK. Oh, yeah. But on on top of that, other films like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3, The Little Mermaid, and Jurassic World Dominion, all through all, all five of those have been given the green light to resume their productions in the UK. Yeah, it, little by little, each country, each region, they're going to start letting people start filming again. I think by now they've figured out the procedures of how to try and eliminate uh, people getting COVID and spreading it. No, they um, haven't. They just stopped caring, just like the rest of the world. Well, maybe, maybe. But obviously, I, I think the majority of the world has a better uh, grasp of it than, than the U.S. right now. But One would hope. But either way, I guess in a way, I'm excited for this. I, I may not agree with it uh, as far as like my own personal politics and how i'm treating the current pandemic and how i'm very much still sequestered jay is not with me he's not sitting next to me uh my wife won't let him yeah we're, <laughs> because, we've been doing this remotely the whole time guys yeah, so, so uh <laughs> but yeah it, it, it sucks so for for <laughs> For me, I'm like I'm okay with that because I still have you know a, a young child. I still have, I, I I got things that that I have to worry about and things I have to look out for, and it's very much on the rise. So I continue to stay in. So while I may not agree with everything else opening up, the uh, the film fan of me goes fuck yeah. You know I'm excited for more set photos from Batman. I'm excited to hear more about Fantastic Beast Three, uh, Mission Impossible Seven. That's 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 yeah. Jay's ballpark. But <laughs> yeah, I mean. Those are all movies I want to see, so I'm happy that they're going to keep resuming and hopefully stay on 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 target and with their scheduled release. Um, you know, we'll see, but you know, it's going to be a hell of a 2021 with you know with all of the movies. Oh my god, there's going to be like big movies coming out left and right. It's essentially two two. It's going to be two years smashed into one, and in in the end, it's going to wind up causing movies to not make as much money as they potentially would have had they released in 2020 when they were supposed to because true. coming right on the heels of them is going to be the next big blockbuster and then the next big blockbuster mm -hmm. we're going to have big blockbusters probably yeah. our podcast is going to be strictly movie reviews but in a way that's kind of like exciting you know um yeah, because I'm good with that. it's set to be the biggest year in film history probably because we didn't have films in 2020, at least it, given to us in the in, in the classical sense that we are all used to. Next news story. All right. Speaking of delays and refilming and production being reopened, Universal Pictures has announced that one of their big 2020 releases, a film that they previously have gone on to say was still on track and was not repeat not being delayed has been delayed an entire year what's the boogeyman halloween kills has been pushed back from its october 16th 2020 release to october 15th 2021 so this has gone from being just a few short months away to being a year and three months out so hmm. i don't care yeah <laughs> no now, I, I know you don't <laughs> 
I, I was looking forward to this movie, although I was very positive on Halloween when it came out. Subsequent viewings of it showed me more of its plot holes, more of its flaws. Thanks, Duty, uh, for, for pointing all those out. And thanks, Paul, from the Countdown Pod as well. But like subsequent viewings, I'm not saying it completely soured me on it, but it wasn't the the movie that you know I thought it was such a perfect companion to the original Halloween. Now, it, it very much in that one's comparison while it's better than most other Halloween sequels um, it's still not quite that film but I'm still hopeful for its sequel and I still like the creative team behind it so I was very much looking forward to this to see where they take this story uh, and to see what the next Halloween was to bring and I'm just a massive Michael Myers Halloween fan horror aficionado so I I couldn't wait for it to find out that I have to wait another year I'm not like that heartbroken right like I'm not like gutted by it but it it, it, kind of sucks but hopefully that gives them time to to make it a better film to now that they're able to resume their post production that's what's exciting as well you know all this time I think it's given a lot of people time to really try and hash out great scripts or great ideas and really you know, so I'm, I'm look, I'm especially the things that haven't been filmed yet. Going forward, that following year, I'm expecting quality. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just no excuse anymore. Next news story. Way back when, uh, probably about two years ago, when we reviewed Ready Player One, we were talking about Steven Spielberg was was pretty geeked on the project, and he was so excited that he he actually reached out to, or more more than likely his people or the people of his people reached out to Ernest Klein and basically told him, uh, you know, he's ready to make the sequel. You know, when is Ernest Klein coming out with the sequel? And and Spielberg has said he wasn't going to make a sequel film until a sequel novel came out because he really liked the source material. So we are getting that sequel novel uh, this November of 2020. Ready Player Two, the sequel to Ernest Klein's Ready Player One novel, will be released. So that means that you can damn well guarantee that Warner Brothers, who was behind the first Ready Player One, has already greenlit this and probably already optioned it for a sequel to the movie. Mm. Only because, and I guarantee this, not because it did gangbusters, not because people loved it because there are people who love it but the majority of people ho-hum on it but because spielberg himself wants to do it they'll do it they'll option this and it'll get made into a sequel but if you were a fan of the Ernest klein novel like i was then you are marking your calendar for november when the next ready player one novel will be released yeah i i'm excited for this one i I think you know but not excited for the novel because you don't read right Exactly. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, you you can't read this novel because you have no basis, and this is not an offense or anything, but you have no basis for the references that are being made in it whatsoever. Like you've never well, held an Atari twenty six hundred controller in your hands. Yes, and you're you, so uh, the majority of it are Atari. Uh, Nintendo and and obscure pop culture references that you more than wouldn't likely w- wouldn't know on. because it's me, right? And I know that because technically I'm in the great age for it. Where I if I if I grew up as a geek, I probably would have known, uh, like you. I mean, and, and even some stuff I think stumped you as well. If I'm if memory serves me right, in the in the in the, no, in the novel, yes, that the, like I said, the novel is very heavy into arcade and Atari twenty six hundred mm-hmm. and very early video game times, which are technically before my time. Okay, before my time, as, so as kind of like so kind um, of like almost um, like the real the true right. beginning 
of the game. So, so while while I'm aware of the references they're making, and I get it, I don't have any type of emotional tie to it. Whereas the film threw a bunch of references at me that I that I am in on. It threw me a lot of in jokes that like I get like that that were just that, that that really got to me as as I guess you would say a younger geek, but it's also the stuff that the hardcore fans of the novel were just like that's not what I was looking for here in this movie. And I fully expect that they'll probably do the same with this next novel because I don't think Ernest Klein's the type of person who's going to pander to the masses. Mm-hmm. I think he knows that his that his first novel was successful and he's probably going to continue in that vein and they'll option it for a script and they'll change it however they want and he'll just go along for the ride and he'll co- and, and he'll cash that fucking paycheck. Yeah. And so will Spielberg. Next news story. All right, so our final news is Lee Winnell is in talks to direct Ryan Gosling's Wolfman with Blumhouse on board as well for the Universal Monster movie. So, did you ever think you would see the day that Ryan Gosling would be in a Blumhouse production? No. No, but when <laughs> right. we initially talked about this, I was hoping they would get involved. You were. Right, because you've liked a, a lot of their I, films I like, of late. I have a sense, man. It's like an inner feeling. I have like where their head's at in this world. I it's trust your, them. It's your horror movie equivalent of A24. Thank um, you. Something it, it, like that. <laughs> It's kind of true. Yeah, it's. I think they have a good context of it all. I think you're right. I think Bloomhouse has really stepped it up in the past couple of years. It, it it gets the kitsch factor with things like uh, Happy Death Day, but it also it also yeah. gets the deep sci-fi factor with things like Upgrade. But it, it also hits some some other you know so, some other notes when it comes out with something like it, the invisible man and it, and, it, and it suddenly is appealing to a mass audience at more so than just the yeah, horror it's fans still on a cheap budget you know and still on on a cheap budget which is something that like universal looks at and they go like fuck yeah and then they also have ryan gosling on board like this movie if you put lee wan and you put Bloomhouse behind it it's already starting to print its mm-hmm. own money practically and i could see you know gosling being perfectly fine with taking a pay cut but obviously taking a back-end deal uh with something like this which is probably what would happen just to keep you know like what they usually always do but, keep you know the production expenses down but honestly we we in one year one year's time practically mm-hmm. we review i don't know if they came out in the same year but within one year we review the nice guys and we review la la land yeah if i told you then that this is gonna happen yeah (laughs) gosling is gonna be in a bloomhouse production you would be like you know what though what the fuck are you like stop standing on the toilet dave because you're high on that that is (laughs) you're you're right you were 100 percent right especially back then Blumhouse was was blumhouse you know they were making props for my corny dad it was good it was it was it was charming (laughs) very charming uh, but you know, it's one of those things where like, I, I, you know, I think I don't want to say Gosling's gotten the boot from being Mr. Try to be a list, you know, from Hollywood right now, because he hasn't bank made any kind of real bank on any of his big movies, but no, 2049 was kind of like, was th- like, that was it. If, if there was any movie that he was involved La La Land in, La Land is that, the only that- one that's been profitable. It's the only one. 
um, over the last, you know, and crazy stupid love to some small degree, but everything has been pretty much even or less <laughs> uh, of his like higher budgeted type films. So him, you know, going back to his roots of like indie films and like, you know, bringing it down to scale and, and trying to take, you know, a back end deal because of his name still, you know, warrants quite a bit of value. Um, oh, for sure. You know, but I mean, like you know, a, a guy like Gosling has, you know, he's fended off offers. Oh, from, like, famously for years. Famously, he was he was being looked at for uh, for Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, you know? Doctor like, Strange, and I think. Um, so you know, he's been fending off of the big, big money offers. Oh, definitely, definitely. The, I think you know Green Lantern. I think like a whole bunch of. You know, over the years, he's probably been lobbied to do a lot of different things. Hey, man, the Snyder Cut's not out yet. We still may see Ryan Gosling as Green Lantern. Movie. <gasps> <laughs> I'm true. Just I'm just that kidding. True. I'm just kidding. Fuck off. No, that's not Eat a dick. $30 million, $30 million would be half of what you're paying Ryan Gosling to be in it for five minutes. So, no, no, that's not really happening. I'm just yeah. joking. Um, but, no, I mean, I'm excited for this. I, I, I like this news. I like Lee Wan Al. I, 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 I like him. Yeah. I like him as a director. I like him as a producer. I like him as, as a creative entity. Uh, I also really respect Gosling a, as an actor and the choices that it's he's made throughout fit. his it's career. It's all a good fit. Yeah, right. It's, and like I said, Universal, you know, they're smacking their hands together like, like a fly about to eat shit where they're just like this movie's gonna make money we're, we're not gonna spend a whole lot to make it gosling's never been big on on making money in, in his movies so we don't have to pay him a fuck ton either like we we, we might as well just start printing money with wolfman's face mm-hmm. on it now because uh we're, we're gonna spend let's say 70 million dollars to make this movie max and this movie's going to pull in at least four times that 300 million 300 million yeah three three four hundred million dollars and 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 they're already fine with that but with the potential of of now the success of invisible man behind it and stuff like that it, it like they could very much very well make five six hundred well, yeah, million depending dollars on out of this the accessibility and the quality yeah they could really do right, that right they're they're gonna be making money from this and uh i think we're all gonna enjoy it because i don't think gosling's gonna be part of a project that is anything but i don't want to say top notch but anything but solid well he's obviously you know that's the number one thing i would say that i'm a big fan about ryan he picks and chooses his roles wisely you know that's why i love all of his movies so much i mean he, he i like his choices this dude is just another gangster squad away from losing his career pretty much i mean and i'm not saying like he's a bad actor or anything like that but you know if he had like if 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 invisible man were to turn into something like that you may very well only see him in films that play at sundance <laughs> and films that play i'd be Cannes fine with stuff that. like that i'd be fine with that i i know you would but he would no longer be a marketable name yeah i agree i agree that's gonna do it for our news this week me and jay got a brief ad to do for our sponsors so we're gonna do that before we get into our top five adapted from broadway movies so stay tuned 
week's sponsor of Super Movie Bros is Manscaped. Now, you've already heard me and Jay talk about the lawnmower, which is good for, for, for trimming your area, and oh, yeah. the weed whacker, which is good for trimming the nose and the ears where you start getting those little alfalfa sprouts and those booger bristles coming out of your nose. <laughs> that, that, that stuff's great for taking care of that stuff. But I want to talk to you about the other stuff that's on the Manscaped website. You got the Crop Preserver, which is anti-chafing ball deodorant. You got the Crop Cleanser, which is pH-balanced body wash. The yes. Crop Reviver, which is aloe vera refreshing spray. So, like, you did a little bit of work. You, you feel that that little bit of, like, funk on the undercarriage. You just use that Crop Reviver refreshing spray, and boom, baby. Absolutely. Especially nowadays, Dave, in the summertime, especially the Crop Preserver, I'm using that almost every day. Especially when I feel like I'm going to be going out, I have a long day, if I'm going to go to the beach, if I'm going to a party, or if I have a date, or even if I'm about to record a podcast, I put that shit on because I know it's going to be a long day with my balls and I need to make sure I stay fresh. Yeah. It really does stop your balls from turning south of cheese. And, and it so. helps with the shaping. <laughs> yes, you're right. It absolutely helps with the shaping. And I noticed like when I use, like I'm the type of guy, I like to smell good, right? Like I yeah. order special soaps because I like the way they smell, special shampoo just because I like the way it smells. And I love the way that this stuff smells. And I love the way that it takes care of me in that, you know, in that area with the anti-chafing and stuff like that. My favorite thing is like, I get confidence knowing that I smell good. Oh yeah. That's, that's something that this stuff does for you. You know, you, you just feel better. So head over to manscape.com. Use our promo code SMB shave, get 20% off your order plus free shipping with manscaped and super movie bros. And remember, shave your balls and wash your ass for a better sex life. God damn right. So, promo code SMB shave. Use it. All right, so me and Jay are not the Broadway type guys, clearly. But every now and then, there is something from Broadway that makes its way into film that winds up touching us just a little bit. And every now and then, uh, <laughs> we like it enough to put it on a top five list, but not enough for us to do 10 of them, right? Because I, I don't think there's enough of these type of movies that me and Jay would both no, be able to sir. do our own list. So this is a combined list. And for anyone who's listening who is like one of those big Broadway fans, these are not going to be those movies. Now, Broadway is massive in and of its own right, even before it gets to the movies. But every now and then, Broadway, a Broadway musical reaches a point where it's extreme zeitgeist and its extreme popularity cannot be ignored by Hollywood and it gets adapted to the film. I'm actually, I'm surprised it took as long as it did for us to get a cats with or without buttholes, whichever, whichever version <laughs> you prefer. Uh, What's that? Girl, that's a booty hole. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat of a chocolate starfish aficionado. Well, alert, so. Not on our list. Yeah. <laughs> not on our list. Yeah. It's not going to be on our list, but there's a few of these that, that made it to us. Those may not even be like, on our top five like i'm gonna tell you right now jersey boys it's not there it's not on it sorry but 
we're going to get into it and find out which musicals me and Jay love the most that have been adapted from Broadway plays. So that's the first caveat is that this had to first be a Broadway or off-Broadway production for at least one of them before it was a feature film. So that's that's first and foremost. It could have been a feature film that was adapted to Broadway, and then later that Broadway production was adapted into a film. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Those could be on the list. Mm-hmm. However, it could not have been a film and then a Broadway production. So those will not be on our list. But Jay, are you ready to get into it? Yeah. Stuff. All right, man. I'm going to start us off with, with number five here. This is one of my favorite films. It's directed by Frank Oz, has one of my favorite comedic actors in it, Rick Moranis. And it involves a young man who works at a florist, and he comes across a very unique, strange plant that he winds up finding out is absolutely addicted and only grows and thrives on human blood. It's Little Shop of Horrors. I beg your pardon? Feed me. Tui, you talked. You, you open your trap. You, you sing and you sing. Feed me, Crabon. Feed me now. Oh, I can't. I'm starving. Look, maybe I can squeeze a little more out of this one. More, 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 more. There isn't any more. What do you want me to do, slip my wrists? <sighs> oh boy. Look, I got an idea. I'm gonna go down to Schmendrick's and pick you up some nice chopped sirloin. Must be blood. Tui, that's disgusting. Must be fresh. I don't wanna hear this. Beep, beep. Does it have to be human? Beep, beep. Does it have to be mine? Feed me! Where am I supposed to get it? This film came out in 1986, and as I said, was directed by Frank Oz. It is just the level of weirdness <laughs> and kitsch and just goofy, fun-hearted nature that I absolutely love. But the movie version, I love so much more. Like Steve Martin is absolutely over the top as this egotistical jackass dentist who both beats his girlfriend and literally gets off on the pain he gives others as a dentist. Rick Moranis is is wonderful as the nerdy everyday man. Um, it doesn't age well for the character of Audrey because she is this very damsel in distress the whole time. However, and I don't think a modern production would be able to portray a woman that way. However, the modern Little Shop of Horrors is from the 1950s. Um, so it was a film that was adapted from a musical that later got adapted into a Broadway play that later got adapted into a musical that was directed by Frank Oz. Uh, and surprisingly enough, the Jim Henson Creature Shop was not involved in this film, which is pretty crazy because Frank Oz and Jim Henson had always been you know, pretty tight Chinese finger cuffs. But <laughs> Uh, it's it's just absolutely wonderful I just watched it the other day there's even like a small part by Bill Murray where he plays this guy who kind of matches Steve Martin's lust for for delivering pain he's a guy who gets off on receiving pain (laughs) so he shows up at the dentist's office and it's just such a a, a fucking funny scene and uh, I, I think I also have a special place in my heart for this movie because I actually worked on the set of a musical production of Little Shop of Horrors oh, when, nice. I was in, when I was in high school. I was not part of the drama club. 
However, it was the only like when this came out, it was a movie I'd seen. It's a movie I'd loved, and it's the only time that I actually thought about auditioning because I really wanted to play Steve Martin's character of Oren Shravello Dentist. Like I, I really just wanted to play him because I felt like in high school I was that perfect like asshole machismo like i really loved amping it up i was i was a heel in in uh in wrestling when i when i backyard wrestled and stuff like that so i felt like i could do that the only thing that was holding me back jay was i couldn't sing so instead i was uh part of the art department because i was in art classes and stuff so i actually helped design their version of audrey 2 and I did a lot of the backgrounds and stuff like that. So I was still involved in the production of it, but I was not actually in it. But I always I always loved it and uh, being a fan of the movie and then being part of like a production and stuff like that. It's kind of helped it stick with me a little bit and put it here at our number five. First off, I think I have it on video of you singing, actually, Dave, karaoke, and you were quite good. Just throwing I, yes. it out there. That is that is <laughs> you when might have uh, into it, but <laughs> didn't I sing? I, I think I sung "Paradise by the Dashboard Light" at uh, karaoke <laughs> in the, Up in in the, the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I sang "Paradise by the Dashboard Light." <laughs> I gotta know right now. Do you love me? Will you love me forever? Will you need me? I know. Will you never leave me? Will you make me so happy for the rest of my life? <laughs> Will you take me away? Will you make me your wife? I think people Why? gave you so much credit for going for broke. Like, yeah, because I sung. <laughs> my wife, my wife wouldn't do it with me, so I sung both Meatloaf's parts and the female parts as yeah, well. It's like, <laughs> you know, not only do you not do this normally, but like you. Yeah, like you, you choose that song of all songs. I mean, it's. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and I, I think it was like just before. Like, I give you a lot of e- credit, man. I, I wasn't did. even drunk yet. I maybe had I, like I a know. beer. That's what was also so shocking. And, and granted, like you didn't know. Yeah, like you didn't know like when well, you're going to go up exactly. Well, but- we were up in the mountains, so like I, I remember telling you, like, "Fuck it, I am never seeing any of these fucking people again." So yeah. I am going to go for broke. And then I tried to, to hook you up with a girl who was very much into the New York punk music scene. And uh, you blew that hard. You blew that hard. Yeah, I forget <laughs> what I did. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, you guys have a way better radar and, and, and balls <laughs> than I do. I'm for sure. I, I'm such a pussy. <laughs> it's practiced. It's it's practiced. It, it doesn't come naturally. All right, Jay, why don't you hit us with our number four, man? What's our number four? Oh, uh, well, we have ourselves uh, hairspray. Tracy, I haven't left this house in, in years. Then isn't it time you did? Oh, no, Tracy. We'll have your father meet with him. I, I don't want to be seen like this. Why not? I'll do it after my next diet. That's when I'll do it. You see, the neighbors haven't seen me since I was a size 10. Don't make me do it, Tracy. Ma, it's changing out there. You'll like it. People who are different, their time is coming. Hey, Mama, hey, Mama, look around. Everybody's grooving to a brand new sound. And there Uh, are two films, everybody. There's a 1990 or 1988 film and uh, obviously the latest one was from 2007. Right. So the 1988 film directed by John Waters was then, uh, which I believe was still adapted from a musical, but then that production of 
of John Waters was adapted to a Broadway musical, which then that Broadway musical was adapted into the 2007 yeah. film with you know such such great people in it, oh, such a, as James Marsden, I mean, Christopher know, Walken, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, and most notably, and my one of my absolute favorite parts of it, John Travolta as the mother. I fucking loved I that. I loved it. I, I still like this movie. It's offbeat. It's quirky. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it works, though. It works. It's a, yeah, it's a weird slice of life, but I, for this, I, I really for this, enjoy it. Yeah, for this kind of story and this kind of movie and inspired, obviously, by John Walters himself, he's, you know, a quirky guy himself. Obviously, if you watch Cry Baby, you know, one if of his other hits. If you just watch the Simpsons episode that he guest stars on, <laughs> he literally plays a character who's all about Kit. Can you love a box or a toy or graphic? You're a grown man. It's camp. The tragically ludicrous? The ludicrously tragic? Oh, yeah. Like when a clown died. <laughs> it, it's just, it just works. And it has a great message of, you know, integration and, and, and just trying to be yourself and be happy. You know, it's, it's simple. It's simple. And I, and I do really appreciate that. And I love that. Um, Absolutely. And I love Alice and Janney in it. God, I don't. I don't think there's anybody that I can. Allison Janney's like, good in everything. I, that's uh, like I literally watched the movie Troop Zero this week. I didn't get into it. And what are you watching? Because I wasn't like super in love with it. But I loved Allison Janney and Viola Davis uh, in, in in Troop Zero, which is just about a bunch of little girls uh, who who want to. Well, specifically one little girl who wants to get her voice heard by aliens so she wants to get on a record that nasa was sending up on a satellite that was going to go out to space in hopes that aliens would find said record and play it and learn about what earth is all about and stuff but that's like that's what the movie's about but really alice and janney and viola davis are the reason to watch that movie and alice and janney's just i think perfect in everything yeah, i just i, I, agree. I can't stress I that agree. enough west wing you know the help just everything she does, she, she's just she just so has, cool. and also the most recently bad education guys. I mean, if you haven't yeah. seen that movie, please do. That's one of the best ones out there recently. Oh um, fuck! And I really Tanya, good. Jesus Christ, oh, her performance in I Tanya, of course, God. Oscar winning. She performance. plays such a good dude, middle aged bitch. She, she just <laughs> like she she has this look. She's that the we perfect all Karen. No, like, she's just oh, the God. perfect Karen. Like if Alice and Janney walked into my store and wanted to speak to the manager, I'd be like. Of course. That's a Karen. <laughs> yeah, that's a Karen. All right. Uh, let's get into our number three. All right. So our number three is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> I was feeling done in. Couldn't win. I'd only ever kissed before You mean she- uh-huh. I thought there's no use getting Into heavy petting It only leads to trouble and seat wetting Was adapted into a film from the off-Broadway production of The Rocky Horror Show. This is obviously... Like when when you mention cult film and you talk about cult films, there's nothing that is more culty than Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I remember being in high school, early college age, and I was like, 
I'm not that that person. I'm, I don't like musicals. I don't want to do this. And all my friends were like, no, no, Newtown Theater near us, which is a theater that has been open since like the late 1800s, has this very old school theater feel. Yep. Like you, you, two you go floors. In, yep. Two floors. There's pillars, like as, as soon as you walk in, holding the upper floor, marble, you know, marble tile, um, very old school type popcorn machines and everything. Like, like they really kept the aesthetic yep. of of vaudeville yeah, it's great pretty much um and i remember going to a midnight showing of rocky horror picture and all my friends were dressing up and stuff and they're like come on you got to do it you got to dress up if you're gonna go to this you got to dress up but i had never seen it so i had no basis for it essentially so i went there and i i i think i got like a little bit into it like i think i wore like like fishnets and i think i put on like a little bit of like lipstick and like eye makeup and stuff but like oh i I did not dress up like a character. I did not go full on into it. But after sitting on that balcony and hearing everybody sing along with it. Now, I had never seen it, so I don't know the words to the songs and stuff. But hearing everyone sing along with it and cheer at certain moments and stuff like that, I couldn't help but walk out of that absolutely loving it. And I think, like, it's one of those movie experiences that I can't, like, I can't explain in a way it's like i think i loved it through osmosis like i just loved it through the fact that i was watching it with these other people whereas if i watched it alone i may not have understood i may not have gotten it yeah i i i've heard this uh similar reaction just like what you had right um, but now every time i watch it and i've watched it several times on on video on demand stuff like that it's nostalgic now yeah. because it brings me back to that moment where, like, you know, I'm laughing with friends and, like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just seeing people dressed up like this, and it's it's and for it's me, it's, it was it's the opposite. It was one of those situations where I did see it. You know, but for example, technically, the first time seeing it was um, at a bar in Philly, one of those kooky little weird indie bars that had this movie playing in the background, and I was kind of just. You know, I was with people, but I was kind of glued to the screen. And then I later, but I I know, I know exactly. But it fit the bar atmosphere and it made me intrigued. And I knew what it was. I knew this fucking movie. It's been around forever since 1975. And I finally saw it and I respected it. I mean, it's not my cup of tea per se. I think I would 100% be down to go into see one of these movies live in the theater someday. I mean, they still do it to this day, oh, obviously. I would have to dress you. I'd have and, to dress you up as Rocky. <laughs> like, you you are the clear Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would do it. I would 100% <laughs> do it. Um, I, I, I keep, I, I've actually uh, told Broken Goblet this, actually. I'm, I'm hoping that they bring the drag show back so I can dress up in drag. I just yes. recently realized, for some odd reason, I want to dress up in really drag. You have really great legs. <laughs> you have really ladylike I legs. I don't know why. And it's not even like a fetish or something like that. It's just one of those weird things. I just feel like it's a bucket list thing. I just feel like I want to do it. I'll have... I will have Logan do your makeup. It'll yes. be great. <laughs> she would love it. <laughs> I right, Jay, only want her. Yeah, she could do it. Let's 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 do our number two, <laughs> man. What do we got for our number two? Number two, Sweeney Todd. All the shouting and running about. What's happened? What? Side of us sitting on her, and then I saw the boat running down the stairs. Oh, I had it. His throat was bare beneath my hand. There, there, dear. Calm down. No, I had it. His throat was there and he'll never come again. Hush, love, hush. 
I keep telling you When? Why did I wait? You told me to wait Now he'll never come again There's a hole in the world like a great black pit And it's filled with people who are filled with shit And the vermin of the world inhabit it But not for long The Demon Barber of Fleet Street So it's, it's, you know, this is a a classic, classic Broadway uh, production. This one was directed by Tim Burton, and it is starring Johnny Depp. So, this one I really thoroughly liked. It's it's a but it was most notably brought to the screen first by Kevin Smith in Jersey Girl. Uh-huh. Kevin Smith likes to bring that up because he likes to uh, he likes to say how uh, Tim Burton kind of rips off him in subverted ways. So after it, this movie premiered in a- after a small scene of Sweeney Todd premiered in Jersey Girl, then all of a sudden Tim Burton's production began on Sweeney Todd and his version came out and uh kevin smith just likes to bring it up in his uh if you watch any of the dvds of an evening with kevin smith he, he brings that up in those where like there's just some little weird things like uh the, he ended one of his comic books that was called chasing dogma it bridges the gap between chasing amy and dogma for jay and silent bob's characters yeah that comic book ends with jay waking up in Washington DC where the face of Abraham Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial is an ape and then that winds up being the exact same way that Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes ends as well sure. so he also uses this as another bullet in his gun for the uh, Tim Burton hates me and rips me off all the time type thing so I always I always think about that when I watch this movie but um, you actually got me you and my wife actually got me to like this movie because we all know from listening to the show, I'm not a massive Tim Burton fan. Um, I have my likes of Tim Burton, Batman, Beetlejuice, uh, you know, earlier stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I understand. When we get into this stuff, the stylistic choices, I, I don't always love, but his style fits sure. this fucking perfect, perfect, perfectly. I know, and and, and he 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 grounded himself and he used the the budget that he had. Uh, to, to, to the benefit of the film uh, which was great and you know I thought performances you know which was obviously stereotypical Giant Depp Helena Bonham Carter castings uh, along with some other who was regulars. his wife at the time yeah. but this is before she was his ex-wife right She's still his wife at the time so basically his main boy and his lady right Right. How many times do you think he's had a threesome with Helena Bottom Carter I, and Johnny? You know, Depp? Johnny is the godfather to his kids. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> I'm sure one of his kids' DNA is shared with Johnny. <laughs> Very well, could be. We'll see if that comes out in the divorce uh, proceedings the, between the, him and Amber. Heard. I know. I know. <laughs> the late Alan Rickman, who's always fantastic, he was a great villain with Timothy Spall as his uh, quirky assistant as well. But again, like Sasha Baron Cohen, man, fantastic, fantastic. Now, obviously in a film production, like it's not the same as a live production. Like I'm sure Sasha Baron Cohen may not have been so, I'm sure right. his singing voice would not have been as great right. if, if, if it well, was on this, stage, this but was, it was done well. Yeah, here. this was sang, sang and recorded in uh, a studio, a proper studio, not like on set, you know, right. it wasn't they like were one of those kind of things. Set. Exactly. Exactly. But, 
you know, surprisingly, Johnny Depp did a good job with this. I mean, it's these are difficult songs to sing because they're a little quirky. They're, they're they they change in fluctuation and they kind of have an operatic sound uh, at times. And you know, it's it's a simple story of revenge. You know, this guy he loses everything from um, you know the main villain played by Judge Turpin and 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 you know he comes back for blood and he's he quietly it's the best kind of revenge jay it, it's bloody it's bloody revenge it's bloody it's a simple story but it's it's heartfelt and you understand his pain and it's got some quirk and fun to it and this time period is is london and and a quirky victorian type timepiece and, and it's it's just it's a good watch it's just a fun no it's it's the perfect marriage of of a beloved broadway musical with the right filmmaker and a great and, tragic ending too you know right it's it's it, it is it is really good and being the type of person who doesn't like musicals i mean i think you can tell by our list that these are like these these are the list of musicals that like are for the people who don't like musicals. Like I, I think that's very clearly like what our list is. Yeah, and I'm gonna get into maybe. that for for our honorable mentions here before we get into number one. Because for honorable mentions, like look, we know Dream Girls, it's a good movie on top of being a, a great play. Chicago, same same thing. West Side I mean, even, Story, you know, which is obviously being remade this year by Spielberg. Right. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of things out there that are absolutely great that have been broadway productions that that Mm -hmm. turn into it les mis phantom of the opera those those are like our honorable mentions because we understand why they are great but they're not really in me and jay's wheelhouse they're they're not something that we go back to and love like i watched les mis once and i was like i get it i understand why people love this it's not for me though it's not it's 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 just not my thing all of these things on our list are our things with the exception of our number one which i think is really going to surprise people so our number one is the sound of music now when anything bothers me and i'm feeling unhappy i just try and think of nice things what kind, kind of things? things oh well let me see nice things daffodils green meadows skies full of stars raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens brown paper packages tied up with strings these are a few of my favorite things (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry that like i i I know i painted like this 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 culty macabre (laughs) type list that we had all throughout and then it kind of feels like I dropped the ball at the end with the sound of music. But think about how the sound of music has just infected our culture. Like I even told Jay pre-recording, I was like, sing me one line from Sweeney Todd. And Jay was like, uh, um, well, um, but then think about the sound of music. do a deer, a female deer, far a long, long way to run. It's just that 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 type of infectious nature behind it, yeah. and it's gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous it really film. Is. It's it's recently been digitally remastered. You know that that scene with Joey Andrews just going to the top of the hill, and the hills are alive with the sound of music, mm-hmm. and she's spinning around, and the camera's panning around her, and the, the the greens are so green, and the sky is so blue, and the mountains are just so 
poppy and like it is a feel good movie and like just this past weekend my wife was like i'm gonna watch mary poppins return of mary poppins uh the one that that recently came out a year ago and i was like have you seen mary poppins and she's like no and i was like all right well then you kind of need to see mary poppins and like that led us from like mary poppins to like rewatching the sound of music and even as someone who is as weird as i am who, who who like i know i'm a weird person but like and i know i'm generally a dark person but like when i was watching this i was like it's just this is just pleasant just fucking love it it's just so well done and i i think that has infected pop culture so much um as far as like it, it really is a high bar for for musicals for 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 these type of films yeah i agree and uh i, I don't think there's been any greater you know musical actress as julie andrews was and it's been around you know around for so long now where your grandparents your parents everybody knows this movie everyone's seen this movie everybody you know it's, it's unifying it's, it's, it's unifying and, and everybody enjoys the quirky campy songs and, and they're just and just like indiana jones the bad guys are fucking nazis of course classic and the nuns are hilarious <laughs> When the Nazis are going after the Von Trapps and the and the and the nuns <laughs> fuck with their car and, and I believe they stole like a carburetor or 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 something like they stole it. it's like I'm afraid I've sinned, Mother Superior. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's 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 funny. It's charming. It's beautiful. And it's kind of dark, you know. It, it does it, hit it on is, some moments like, that right? are your it's, bad it's guys heavy. are Nazis. It's heavy. How yeah. could how could you not be dark? Yeah. You know, it's dark in the same way that like Indiana Jones is dark with with Nazis as villains. It's a little humorous, but it's also it's a very real real fear that the von Trapps are feeling and stuff. So, I, I I think it's just so enduring, and it's just you know the songs are just so fucking catchy. Like it is it is a catchy toe tapping beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Um, yeah, can't. I, I know it doesn't fit on this list with everything else that we've put in there. Like, I mean, Chicago is about murder, I mean, right? Look, like our number one should have been Chicago with we, like we the, went with you know, cla- women we murdering went, their we abusive went, we men. We went with but- classic. We went with our gut. This is our f- Christ. This is probably my first musical I ever saw in my life. I mean, this just sticks with me. I mean, it's, this and Mary it's, Poppins, it's in me. both Julie Andrews, but like gun to my head. If you're like, what's the best, what's, what's the best Julie Andrews musical go now? And I'll be like, uh, sound of music. That's the right answer. You get to live. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Most people would agree. That's how I feel about it. So that's why it's our number one. Fuck you if you don't agree with us. I mean, I, I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> but of course. Yeah, let us know. Argue, I mean, I want to hear what you guys think. You know, reach out to us on, on our social media. Reach out to us. I'm on Twitter at SuperMoviePod. Yeah, on Twitter, I am at J underscore SMB. Uh, Instagram super movie bros and on facebook super movie bros podcast some people have asked me about the instagram it is super underscore movie underscore bros well i I just figured that you could still search for that and it would pop up you can you can you're not wrong i'm not saying that people are right just hunt for our logo for questioning (laughs) i'm just saying some have been like oh well i don't find it i find super media bros or 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 uh, whatever other knockoffs have come out (laughs) <laughs> with with similar names to ours but of course if you're enjoying the show we beg we plead 
we ask that you go on to your iTunes and you leave us a five-star review. It's what helps us grow. It's what helps us get seen. It's what helps other people know that we are legit and we are the shit. Mm -hmm. Just like Coffee the Beer did. And they said, I love these types of shows that are conversations amongst friends. Such a natural flow. And of course, if you're really enjoying the show, please head over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Podcast. There, you can get all the additional audio files that we put up there for just $1 a month. And now comes to the part where I want to have a brief discussion with everybody because... One of my big points on the show, one of the things I've always brought up as like, it's it's a huge point of pride for myself that me and Jay are four years into this. We started Super Movie Bros in 2016. We've been podcasting since 2014 with our old show, Movie Cocktail. We've never missed a week in putting out content, new content. We, Me and Jay may not have recorded new content that week, but I've always put out something. Yeah, we've always recorded uh, more episodes or, or, or whatever it may be and and made sure something was out there fresh every single week for you guys. For the first time ever, over the next two weeks, there will be no new Super Movie Bros episodes. If the feeling strikes, I'll find something to post, but I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not. I, I probably won't. And, and, and here's the reason why. I'm having some mental health issues right now that are affecting my work, both at, at my legitimate job and, and and here, my hobby job. It's been a difficult couple of weeks. I can't really get into the personal reasons behind it, but I, I can get into like the fact that just, just professionally, people have, uh, I work insurance, people have started driving again. They haven't been driving for three months and it fucking shows. Uh, <laughs> my my case volume for work has has gone up exponentially. I'm, I'm extremely stressed at work. Um, that's that's not a complaint. It's, it's my job, but it, it is a very real part that does wind up affecting my hobby. On top of that, we're having our house completely renovated right now, so it's um, it's it's kind of like two stressful things. I'm going from from working close to ten, eleven, twelve hours a day to working on my house to to trying to then fit in editing and stuff like that. There's 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 a mountain of stress on top of me, and anxiety is starting to get the better of me. And I I, I just you know today I. I sat down and I had a long talk with myself, which is going into my mental health issues, I guess a little bit, (laughs) Um, but that's still healthy at times. And I decided like, you know, obviously the house needs to get done and obviously the job can't end because I need to make money to pay for said uh, uh, renovations. So um, something's got to give. And unfortunately, this is the thing that has to give. I'm only taking two weeks off. And the reason that I'm choosing these two weeks as opposed to a later two weeks or prior two weeks is my daughter is going to be spending the next couple weeks with with me. And I want to devote as much attention to her while she's here as I possibly can. And I I, I don't want to be thinking about a deadline for the podcast. I don't want to be thinking about a time to record. And I don't want to be thinking about, you know, making those hour, two hours that I have to make a night after recording to edit, to get it out. And I just want to devote my time to her. And uh, I hope you guys can understand that. I really do. Like You have no idea how bad I feel making this 
decision in making this this announcement to you. Um, I feel fucking terrible. That being said, if something pops up that it's like, I feel like I really need to talk about this, I might jump on with Jay and I might do a short episode that come out. No promises. I'm going to try and hold you to that two weeks because yeah. unless it's something like catastrophic, I, I, I'm going to try and make sure you stick to that two weeks. I just feel I need it. Uh, you, you and I'm do. really sorry that uh, I, I have to I have to make this announcement. But I don't want to say I have mental health issues because I feel like that demeans people who, who may have greater struggles than I have. Everybody, but, everybody has different various types of mental health issues and you're going through a different bout right now because you have a lot of things going on right now in your I'm life. I'm noticing some patterns that have happened in the past and I know where those patterns lead and I need to take a mental break for a while before I snap and I don't, I don't want to get to that point again. I've been there before and it's, it's a bad place for me and um i don't think i think honestly if i snapped the show would suffer for that as well so i just need some time i just need two weeks just give me two weeks let's let's get shit straight and i will be back me and jay will be back with the same content that we've been providing and hopefully me in a better in a better place bringing you better content for it so i thank you for your understanding and if you want to reach out to me i do run the twitter page if you do want to reach out to me to talk to me about it i'm happy to share more details uh again it's twitter at SuperMoviePod. so thank you guys for listening as always have a great one cheers cheers cheers